Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. You're listening to the Bellarmine Forum Podcast. I'm your show host, John B. Manos, president of the Bellarmine Forum. Let's get right into it today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of Akita, pray for us. So, all kinds of prophecies these days. Are you picking up on that? Boy, ah, you watch these, I don't know. You know, I'm sure they mean well. But September, oh, watch out for October. The warning's coming. Get your survival food. Set up this thing. Change the way you say the Hail Mary. You better be ready for your refuge camp. We're reliving the 90s. Have you picked up on it? I remember in the 90s, you had the charismatics, and the charismatics want to be out front with all the mysticism. You know, because they are, as Father Hardin said, instant mystics. Now, prophecy usually comes from people that are true mystics, that led a life of of asceticism, unlike others in these stigmatics, and just great suffering. I'm going to drop a hint row here. Everybody you see right now, there's one guy that's been all over the place, I'm not going to name names. There's one guy that's been interviewed all over the place, and I've been disappointed in a couple of Catholic priests as well. You know, they, they go on on Akita, and the thing that blows my mind is they read the, the sensational part, but they ignore the rest of it. That October 13th message to Sister Sasagawa, they just skip it. I actually saw twice now. One of these people wrote a book on prophecy that is getting pumped all around. And he just skips the second part of the message. There's the sensational part. Bishops against bishops, cardinals against cardinals, you know, and fire come from heaven, blah, blah, blah. Then the Blessed Mother's having a conversation with Sister Sasagawa, and she says, oh, that other thing. You wish to become the stone rejected. And, you know, they talk about that Sister Sasagawa is not really in her community now, and it appears that she's been shoved in the corner and stuff like that. And I'm like, hmm, gee, It's just one more way to prove that the Akita message was real. It's right there, and everybody skips over it. And we can see it. It's happening. Mary, speaking of Akita, brought it up uh, 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 recently in Fatima in particular. The bishop in white, quote, we had the impression it was the Holy Father. I just gotta, I gotta, I gotta harp on that. There's all this talk with Vigano and and Schneider and all these things going on, and and people have, you know, they they've pretty much the the nomenclatura has run Vigano, poor Vigano through the mud, because see the the Catholic bloggers and Catholic Twitter, they understand geopolitics better than a Vatican ambassador. They have more information about what's going on than a previous papal nuncio, right? So they they know, they know. They're saying all oh, Vigano, he doesn't always talk about. Meanwhile, Vigano has been leading us to have questions about the validity of the conclave. And he's bringing up uh, uh, what appears to me, he's as things become public, he's been adding more details, which tells me, he knows things that he can't reveal. But as they're being revealed by others, 
He's tying the dots together. Get it? So he's obviously got an obligation of secrecy, but he's got information that he knows. I would think that people would be smarter about that, but actually we know what it is. Nobody can say, nobody can agree with him because that might mean that we would have to think about things. Everybody's comfortable and everybody's virtue signaling right now because they're afraid if uh, uh, Holy Father says that the, the best cheeseburger is a smash burger and that Catholics can only eat smash burgers, you know as well as I do, you can disagree with that. Likewise, I don't know, Pope's having a bad day on a plane and says there's no such thing as the Immaculate Conception. You know it's wrong. Does that make you say to a contest? No, not at all. And if you say he's wrong, does that bring scandal? No, not at all. Okay, so he's having a bad day. It's kind of like getting a statue of Luther up in front or allowing some uh, pagan priestesses to uh, enthrone uh, a goddess of women priests, analog Pachamama, which is actually an analog of Artemis the cult to which Rome is trying to return right now. Get tired of everybody calling it Pachamama and not paying attention to what's really happening. You heard it here years ago. And then, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll have somebody on that used to be involved in the, uh, in the occult world. Because when they pulled it together and they saw the, Pacha, the Amazon Synod stuff and they saw the Vatican Gardens thing, they said, Precisely. They're trying to enthrone the patroness of women priests. Because there isn't one in, 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 there's not a way otherwise to have women priests in Catholicism. Unless you go back to being pagan. Well, divergent all over the place. Okay, you're, John, what are you talking about? Let's talk about this two popes thing. This is kind of fascinating to me. Little little book. Now, okay, Yves DuPont, he's been picked apart by other people, but Tan published this book in 1970 and again published it in 1973. Little lavender cover says Catholic prophecy. One thing I would disagree with Yves DuPont on is there's a, there's a chapter where he gets way into Nostradamus. And, you know, Nostradamus, yeah, okay, maybe he was a practicing Catholic at one point. He, he got into astrology and divination, and things that just shouldn't happen. Okay, let's just get that out front. Yves DuPont, I don't know, different time, uh, seemed to think that there was something fascinating. This is the curiosity that people that study pure prophecy get into. Does that mean Yves DuPont can't gather accurate quotes? No, he did an excellent job. As a matter of fact, he used to publish uh, uh, a magazine, World Trends, and far be it, Seems appropriate for somebody that's into prophecy to be uh, looking at trends. So whatever else you say about Yves DuPont, he did the, the legwork and a lot of academic work, and he assembled, there's another section of this book. Now, this is 1973. It was called The Present State of the Church. And here's just some quotes I want you to follow along with me. One's Venerable Anne de la Foy. Quote, she says, there will be discord within the Catholic Church. In those days, men will wear women's clothes, and women will put on men's clothes. To put something else, think about that for a minute. Oh, no. Now, 
they kind of thought that was happening in 73. I, I think it's really happening now. It's, unless you see the pictures from the Synod. I, I noticed that everybody's on good behavior and good optics at the Synod. Uh, but we can get into that in a little bit. Another one. This is from M. Porsat in the 19th century. Quote, there will be confusion amongst the clergy. Another, quoted by Abbe uh, Curacue in the 19th century. What caught my attention repeatedly is that a large number of priests will join in the revolution. Then, Yves Dupont, I know there's a million people online cite this. I, you know, Dupont could access a lot of the French sources and other stuff. I, you know where I am on France. Nah, I'm just not into French stuff. I'm going to either read Russian and other things. This thing's called the Oba Prophecy. It says, quote, it will come when the church authorities issue directives to promote a new cult. When priests are forbidden to celebrate in any other, when the higher positions in the church are given to perjurers and hypocrites, when only the renegades are admitted to occupy those positions. Now, that word renegade, you know, the foreigner song or whoever it was, you know, kind of ruined a little bit of renegades aren't good things. If we could look up what renegade is, another way to put renegade might be Judas's. Uh, because a renegade is a traitor. So let's see, a new Oxford dictionary defines it as a person who deserts and betrays Judas's. So let's say the end of that oboe one again. Let's repeat. It will come when church authorities issue directives to promote a new cult, when priests are forbidden to celebrate in any other, when higher positions in the church are given to perjurers and hypocrites, when only renegades are admitted to occupy those positions. You know, renegades. People that write theology of sensuous things like kissing. People that, uh, 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 you know, it's not, so much what Judas says, it's what he doesn't say, right? So we say, well, no, 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 no. We, 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 we know matrimony is a separate thing. We're going to bless this other activity. You know, we're going to bless the robbers. We're going to bless murderers. You know, a murderer can go to the priest and get, uh, you know, their weapons blessed before they go murder people. It's, but that doesn't, that doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't, in, in, it doesn't take away from the Decalogue, right? So we're going to take all these other things. Sexual pleasures reserved to those that are married. So you got all these other things out there, perversions, things that are uh, uh, aberrant to the, our Lord who said that you don't do that. And they're going to bless that. What's that tell people? If they were silent with humanity vitae, and people thought that must mean it's okay. They've been kind of silent on this, right? Now they're going to go a step further and bless it. It's a renegade. But anyway, we're getting off track here. It's back to our quotes from Yves Dupont. It's what's fun about this. We can, it's, you know, it's like sitting at the table. We're just talking a little bit, right? You and me. So let me go back to this book. Let me tell you about this. Next one. 
Mother Shipton. She was in the 16th century. Now, these ones before have been saying, it will come, there will be. They're talking about something happening, discord in the church, right? Mother Shipton comes right out. The great chastisement will come. When carriages go without horses and many accidents fill the world with woe, it will come when thoughts are flying round the earth in the twinkling of an eye. Now, in 1973, there was, you know, there's an editorial comment in there. And when I quote this on the, the show notes, I'm going to leave Yves DuPont's little bracket in there. He says, i.e. radio communications. Uh, you know, in 73, they weren't even thinking about where we are now. You know, when I hit publish on this podcast, it's going to be around the world in a second. So that's what Mother Shipton talks about. We could get on uh, iMessage or FaceTime and be, you know, flying our thoughts all around the world, right? Teams meeting, whatever. Now she goes on. When long tunnels are made for horseless machines, when men can fly in the air and ride under the sea, when ships are wholly made of metal, when uh, uh, higher and water uh, great marvels do, you know, such as the the, uh, steam engine and that, when even the poor can read books, well, I don't know. We might have gone a little bit past that because I wonder if the rich can even read books anymore, don't you? When many taxes are levied for war. Boy, what are they, you know, what are they talking about in our house today? You know, we need for Ukraine, we need uh, stuff for uh, Israel, we need stuff for all over the place. Another quote, back to Yves DuPont. Just let you kind of simmer on these things. We're talking about, you know, conditions things that would happen in the future that are contingent for an event. Blessed Rembort in the 18th century, these things, again, talking about certain events that are coming in prophecy, the chastisement. These things will come when they try to set up a new kingdom of Christ from which the true faith will be banished. Now, he's the point, you know, there's a lot of other quotes in that book. It book's very small, but it's got a ton of things like that in it. This was just from the section, Present State of the Church. What I think is interesting is East DuPont in 73 said, wow, surely we're here now. But now I look at it, you know, what's funny is, is now there's an animus against the, 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 the Tridentine that wasn't there before. You know, it was presented... Previously, like, oh, we're done with that. Here's the new thing. Then Ecclesia Day came out in the, you know, in the 80s. There was a new freedom. Then Benedict uh, 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 put it back in. You know, I, I don't get it. The Pope, Pius V, from the Council of Trent. So you have all the church. You have, you know, something better than a synod. Because all the bishops were actually at the Council of Trent. They issued that, do all this work. Circulate around the world. Everybody had a chance to do things, stuff like that. Pius V puts it out. Hey, this delivers you a church forever. Binding his successors to that. So what would it mean if a pope says, you know, I don't care about that? Now, great, Paul VI never came right out against it. He just said, yeah, okay, we're going for the new thing. Now we're in a position where they're saying, yeah, no, we're going to get rid of this. That's not what they meant. It's not forever. Here's the new thing. Renegades. 
they desert or betray. So, back to the theme. Interesting thoughts. I got this table set, right? Got your mind thinking towards, wow, okay, what's the stuff out here? It's interesting that they're talking about things, men wearing women's clothes, women wearing men's clothes. This blew my mind. In a different section in that little Catholic prophecy book, there's a, a, a bunch of bunch of quotes from Anne Catherine Emmerich. Now, okay, you remember when Mel Gibson had his passion movie and he based it on visions that Anne Catherine Emmerich had, and everybody came out and said, oh, she's anti-Semitic. These quotes here have nothing to do with Semitism or anything like that. This is fascinating to me, though. I'm just going to read. So I'm going to try to do it, you know, like we're talking because I want you to follow some of this because, you know, I think you're going to go, huh, huh, that's interesting. So on May 13th, 1820, the May 13th is an important day. It shows up in Fatima, it shows up, lots of Marian apparitions on May 13th. Here's Aunt Catherine Emmerich. I saw also the relationship between the two popes. I saw how baleful would be, she said two popes. I'm going to go on. I saw how baleful would be the consequences of this false church. I saw it increase in size. Heretics of every kind came into the city of Rome. The local clergy grew lukewarm, and I saw a great darkness. Then the vision seemed to extend on every side. Whole Catholic communities were being oppressed, harassed, confined, and deprived of their freedom. I saw many churches closed down, great miseries everywhere, wars and bloodshed. A wild and ignorant mob took violent action, but it did not last long. Later that year, on September 12th, I saw a strange church being built against every rule. No angels were supervising the building operations. In that church, nothing came from high above. There was only division and chaos. It is probably a church of human creation, following the latest fashion, as well as the new heterodox church of Rome, which seems of the same kind. Again later, back Anne Catherine Emmerich saying this, I saw again the strange big church that was being built there in Rome. There was nothing holy in it. I saw this just as I saw a movement led by ecclesiastics to which contributed angels, saints, and other Christians. But there, in the strange big church, all the work was being done mechanically, that is, according to set rules and formula. Everything was being done according to human reason. And time out for a second. Remember, it's faith and reason, right? Fides et ratio. She's saying that it's only happening by rules and reason. It's a church of human origin, not from high above. And we talk about something happening mechanically. Have you read like the instrument laborious of the of the synod or how some of these things are happening? You know, in the past they talked about they're gaming us with the synod. It's called consensus, manufacturing consensus. It all follows rules. There's a lot of rules being imposed on these documents that come up from the different areas. 
you know, and all this listening going on, even though the church was told by our Lord to proclaim, it's kind of an inversion. But back to Anne Catherine Emmerich, I had to get my little editorial in there for a minute. I saw all sorts of people, things, doctrines, and opinions. There was something proud, presumptuous, and violent about it. And they seemed to be very successful. I did not see a single angel nor a single saint helping in the work. But far away in the background, I saw the seat of a cruel people armed with spears. And I saw a laughing figure which said, do build it as solid as you can. We will pull it to the ground. Aunt Catherick Emmerich, huh? Interesting. So building some new church, no help from above. But there's a movement of ecclesiastics on the contrary. Now, at the end of this section, Yves DuPont puts his interpretation in. And he's pulling together Ann Catherick Emmerich and others, but he says, from this prophecy, it's clear that the true church will be faithful to the Pope in exile. That's a two popes thing. This is Yves DuPont talking now. He, what he's doing is trying to put this together, trying to make some sense out of these visions that these mystics had. You know, the Pope in exile, isn't that what Benedict was? He, he retired and they kind of stuck him out in the, you know, over there, you know, on the hill in the, in the nursing home, you know, locked up, not allowed to go anywhere. Whereas the new Pope in Rome will be, in fact, an anti-Pope. Uh, need I fill that in? Or is she talking about Francis? These things fit. That's what we'd be talking about here. But since a number of other prophecies tell us that the true Pope will die in his exile, it follows that the true church will be leaderless for some time. Then it will not be difficult to anticipate what the anti-Pope and renegade hierarchy and clergy will say. See, your so-called Pope is dead. Who can give you a new Pope? Our cardinals have already elected the new Pope. He's already here in Rome. I don't know if you've been paying attention to, you know, all of the dog fights going on for the past year, but that's what everybody's saying. You know, no, he's Pope, he's this, that, and the other. And meanwhile, there's more and more people saying, you know, what's going on here? Questioning whether we should have had a conclave when Benedict was alive, questioning the rush to get the Pope there, all these other things. And this is just DuPont's read of Catherine Emmerich. He says, since the true church will be completely disorganized, the faithful cardinals isolated, no true pope could be elected, and thus the number of Catholics will be misled into accepting the leadership of the anti-pope. Now, it's interesting. Continuing, Maurice DuPont, such a schism could not have happened if the pope had followed Anne Catherine Emmerich's advice to stay in Rome i.e., don't resign. But she said, and he's quoting Anne Catherine Emmerich, the Pope is still attached to the things of the earth and has said elsewhere he will want to save what he thinks can be saved. In other words, the true Pope, whoever he is at the time, will use his human judgment and leave Rome instead of remaining firm in the face of the invaders. Need I remind you that... John Podesta, who's the top of these esoteric cults that do terrible things, 
uh, Pius IX said their God is the devil, said that in that email that leaked in February of 2012 that it was time for a new Catholic springtime. A year later, almost to the day of that email, Benedict resigned. And yours truly has written and brought many people's opinions on in the past. One of the key ways, there was a lot of collateral pressure on Benedict to get out, but one of the key things they did was turn off the SWIFT payment system, which basically shut down all the Vatican anywhere in the world overnight with the ultimatum. And don't forget, the butler stealing the Benedict report. Remember we were supposed to see that? Where is it? Where is it? It did just because it didn't just name McCarrick. It had not, you know, McCarrick was probably a bit player in that giant thing. All that drama happened, they got Benedict out. And then, boom, running off to the conclave right away. And you know, all that aside, just reminding you, when they talk about invaders, people operating in the church, there's all kinds of pressures that happen there. We have all kinds of evidence about it. vegano has been talking more about that stuff lately. Surely he knew as well. But I thought that was interesting. She's talking about two popes, one in exile and one in exile, and the cardinals are forcing the... Meanwhile, the faithful cardinals are isolated. Maybe they're ignored. Maybe their dubias aren't answered. Maybe they're mocked and ridiculed. Maybe the invaders assist and put them on trial and have them in jail. All kinds of stuff. The good cardinals are isolated, and they're the ones that could change the situation. And we got into the situation because... The Pope, thinking he was doing the right thing, left his office, left Rome, resigned. Interesting. And we should kind of back up for a minute. You know, a lot of those earlier quotes had to do with the chastisement. You know, it's funny to me because um, a lot of people look at all this stuff going on. They're like, what's it mean? What's it mean? What's it mean? You know, they know something's wrong. They don't trust the synod. I don't blame them. You look at like even the document the USCCB put out, and I challenge you to find any of your beliefs reflected in that document. I challenge you to find anything that you think is a concern for the church reflected in that document. As much talk as they're giving about communion, have you noticed nobody's mentioning anything about the real presence? Instead, they're listening to all these worldly sources. I worry about Catholics who don't believe that's actually Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. That's been something we've talked about for decades, and here we are, we have a chance to like bring it up front. I'm sure people brought it up, but those people weren't invited. As many people as they try to show it, the Synod, it's actually a very small slice of, of the clergy. Lots of lay people, too, and they, they get to vote. They get to vote. It's exciting times, right? You have to wonder, you know, you look through uh, history of the church, Arians were around. Where was the clergy? Most of them sided with Arius, didn't they? Henry VIII. Look at that. There was only one bishop left. Only one poor bishop stood up. Look what Henry VIII did to him. He beheaded him. 
You know, and it, we look at the great schism. That's really was like, a, I, I'm sorry. I think both sides were wrong in the great schism, and they kind of wound up with a bunch of clergy fights, didn't they? It's kind of the clergy that caused that. So, I mean, I don't know that we have a great history of the clergy kind of being, we can't, like, take a poll, Democratic poll, the majority of the clergy, and get the sense that they're, 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 they're always, you know, look at Jansenism or other stuff. They don't always quite get it right. Something, you know, there's a trials that happen in the clergy of the church, and a lot of times it's the lay people. Or miracles. St. Nicholas was prayers. He, he, he apologized, but, you know, Nicholas was Our Lady and the imploring of Our Lady that brought enough light to that council for everybody to say, hey, wait a minute, I see what's wrong here, and change their minds. You know, and you see things like that too. Akita told us there's going to be battles in the church. You're going to have the devil enter the church. And what did Our Lady of Akita tell us? Such a way that you'll have clergy that accept compromise. You know, I... I, I uh, I brought that up in the past, but compromise, you know, are we talking about renegades? And we're talking about if you make a compromise, you're making a room for the devil. Now, you know, people will get, uh, you know, there's so many people that are, are virtue signaling and they have their own emotional problems with everything that's going on, but there's real problems. I brought up that Year Mercy logo and Rupnik. There's some problem with uh, glorifying Martin Luther, who was, you know, kind of congregate, well, he wasn't congregationalist himself, but he set up these ideas of synods. And, you know, the Lutheran church is a mess with their synods. They're all over the place. One synod doesn't believe what the other one does, et cetera. They're a mess. It's what synods do. Or synodality. You know, it's a Lutheran idea. Didn't they enshrine Martin Luther? We're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. They enshrined a goddess. You know, the only, th the only hope you could see there is Ben, it, that was even too much for Francis. I mean, you could see on his face, he's like, what have I done? But he didn't, he didn't step up. We need to pray for him more because he didn't step up and fix it, did he? And we got that shoe to drop. We've got one shoe to drop with this synodality baloney. And I'm sorry, you know, you listen to him talk. They don't even sound like, but you turn around and listen to somebody like Bishop Strickland. You know, and everybody wants to know, whoa, 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 what's going on? They tend to forget Strickland years ago, and he, he says it himself. He's sitting there in front of our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. Oh, there again, real presence, like a real concern in the church that you don't hear anything of at the Synod. He's in front of the Blessed Sacrament. He's like, Lord, I want to be a good bishop. And he's doing the things a bishop should. Everybody kind of forgets he got in trouble with the USCCB. Speaking of synods, and well, I don't know if everybody remembers that. It was back in 2018. And he 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 walked away from the meeting place over to cross the bridge, and there was a rosary rally, and people were praying that the truth of the McCarrick stuff and everything would come out and that there'd be adequate reparation from the church for this mess. Oh. They got all over him. Poor bishop. You know, he said, look, these people pray in the rosary and they asked me to come pray it with them. I went and prayed it with them. 
<laughs> you know what? If I ask a bishop to pray the rosary with us, wouldn't you want him to show up too? Where were the rest of them? I said that wouldn't happen. That was 2018. And I've seen through the years, Strickland, you listen to him. He talks different than the rest of them. He, he talks like with authority. He talks like, you know, he's actually talking to our Lord. And here's a care and concern. He actually wants you to get to heaven. I mean, fancy that. But he's unlike the rest. They want to isolate him. I think he's, you know, what Our Lady was, you know, definitely got the strength of Our Lady on him and guiding him because he's, I don't know, I can't find any crazy statements he's made. He got into a skerfuffle over the SSPX, but I'm sorry, he, what he said was right. You know, there's people enlarging, and I think that uh, people around Bishop Schneider are doing this. They're enlarging the idea of necessity to make it a norm. And that's the same problem that the USCCB did with extraordinary ministers. They said, well, there's such an extraordinary mean we need that we do it every week. That's not how it works. You know, and Father Hardin back in the 90s, he said then, you know, particularly I think it was somebody from Rochester was asking, like, I don't know what to do. Because one parish has got, you know, like monkeys on the altar. If there's even an altar, it's a table. He goes to another place and there's women all over the place. And liturgical abuse is out the yin-yang in Rochester, if you don't remember. It was a bad time. And he asked public, and Father Harden said publicly, no, you got an SSPX chapel there, go. Be careful not to invite scandal. Be careful that people don't think you left the church. There's all these questions about Lefebvre and this, that, and the other, but it's always looked like a honey trap. I know there's good people in the SSPX. There's some people I listen to that I think are, are interesting, but I've been around SSPX parishes. I know a lot of things. I've watched it for decades now. One thing I know for sure, people go there, they don't come back. They still say they're Catholic, stuff like that, but they're, they're, they're written off. They're out of the church. Now, you know, and why didn't the SSPX, I mean, since we're on the topic, what was so tough with, with Benedict? Benedict tried to get them back. They said no. You know, as time goes on, and, and now, I guess the tough part today is there's a stridency invited in it because of that problem. Necessity is being used to normalize it. But need we, go, we don't need to get all into that. And then, you know, people would say, oh, he's a recognize and resist. No, no, I'm just Catholic. There's no resist. Just follow our Lord. You know, and recognize error. Yeah, well, that, everybody has to do that, right? Everybody has to resist error. Everybody has to resist temptation. But that's not a label. We have given to us by Mother Church basic expectations. We can expect that divine liturgy is a certain way. We can expect that it's reverent. We can expect that it's focused on our Lord and the institution of the Blessed Sacrament by our Lord. If you go into a parish and the priest leaves the sanctuary during the consecration of the canon, they're not Catholic. And they owe it to us. And you should still be there demanding. At any rate, 
we get into uh, uh, this whole idea of the synod and prophecy and these things happening. And, and you know, Paul A. Fisher used to write for The Wanderer. He wrote a book that was published by Tan called Behind the Lodge Door. You know, Fisher is interesting, too. He did the work that so many Catholics won't. There's so many people in media today that won't do just basic stuff. Fisher actually read their magazine called New Age. And he would cite stuff from it. And he starts piecing together stuff about the Masons. And he pieces together why they call it the New Age from their own words in their own magazine. Publishes the book Behind the Lodge Door. Within a year, the Scottish Rite changed the name of their magazine, New Age, to something else. <laughs> you know why? Secret was out of the bag. It was their own words that did it. They couldn't fight what was in the book. It was all coming from their own stuff. We need to be like that. When he, read, he wrote us a, 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 a follow-up book, and he, you know the title comes from a proclamation of Pius IX. The title of the book is Their God is the Devil. And in it, he says in 1955, the New Age, the Scottish Rite Journal of the Freemasons, carried a three-part series. Look at this. Urging Catholics. So you have a Freemason journal in 1955 writing to Catholics. Figure that one out for a minute. Because if I just read through this, I think this point would blow past you. So a three-part series in the Scottish Rite Journal in 1955 urging Catholics, one, to become active in demanding changes in the church. Just before Vatican II, right? 1955, get it? Two, particularly to democratize the church and insist upon a strict accounting for donations as well as having the laity choose their clergy, etc. Now, Paul shortened that down a little bit, but I think you would find that a lot of the things uh, written about in that 55 document almost operate as a skeleton framework for implemented changes that we've seen. Fancy that. That same year, Italian masonry over there in Rome. Now let's, you know, don't forget Maximilian Colby, he set up the Militia Immaculata after he saw the Masons in the streets of Rome. And they were saying, we'll put, our, we'll put uh, the son of Satan on the, on the papal throne, and he'll be Satan's whipping boy. This, and there were other, other terrible blasphemies that they just out there in public, marching down the streets. Colby went to the Blessed Mother and said, what can we do? And that's where the Militia Immaculata came. Just a reminder. So 1955, 30 years later, same Italian masonry publishes 25-point plan for the Catholic Church. So again, it's before Vatican II. Point 11, stop the practice of saying mass before the Holy Eucharist in the tabernacle. Do not allow any tabernacles on the tables used for the mass. Make the table look like a dinner table. Make it portable to imply that it is not sacred, but could do double duty for anything. It could be a conference table, playing cards, whatever. Later, put at least one chair at this table. Make the priest sit in this after communion to signify that he rests after his meal. 
Now, have you noticed that? That's one of the weirdest things that, and it's actually so bothersome to me because it's just so weird that after, okay, if, if you're lucky that the priest is actually purifying the vessels and not leaving it to the busybody lay people to sacrifice, well, don't need to go into that liturgical abuse. Let's just say he purifies it done, and, it's, and then he walks over to, you know, the presider's chair, whatever they want to call it, and then frumps down, and then immediately everybody slaps back into the pew, and they all act like, you know, they just run a marathon. Or there's some sort of like, uh, I don't know, people closing their eyes like they're in deep, you know, Hindu meditation or something. And I'm, I've always been wondering, I'm like, what's going on? It's just strange. And then it's just, it's just like this period of silence where we're all just going to sit there. Now, it's one thing to say Thanksgiving for, that's not what's going on when you see this happening at some of these. No, that's not what's happening at all. And God bless everybody. We should all make acts of Thanksgiving for Holy Communion. That's a whole other point that goes on. But at any rate, this is Italians that were put the Italian masonry putting it out. Now, this is the one that I thought was more interesting. Item 23. Remember, there's 25 points. Well, point 11 was the one about the great sit down, you know, and relaxing after a meal. 23. Be bold. Weaken the Pope by setting up a bishop's synod. You know what? They went one. It's not just bishops there, and very few bishops that are there out of the world's bishops. There's lay people, too. Let's not forget that. The Pope will then be a figurehead as England is ruled by the House of Lords and the House of Commons. This is the Italian Freemason saying this. The king takes his orders from them, then weaken the bishop's authority by setting up a counterpart at the priest level, say that the priests are finally getting the recognition they deserve, then weaken the priest's authority by setting up lay groups to boss around the priests. There'll be so much hatred developed that even Catholics will leave the church, say that the church is now democratic. Praise the new Quote, collegiality. So maybe they didn't quite get the tactics quite right, but boy, sounds like uh, sounds like the plan, right? Now, you know, I mentioned before, it's like we're reliving the 90s. You see this stuff going on in the church, and, and Father Harden, you know, Father Harden said, no matter what happens, you got to remember God is behind this. You can't have omniscient, all-powerful God in chance or circumstance. God is allowing this to happen. He's behind it. There's something that, and Our Lady told us what our role is in it. We pray the rosary, we make reparations. Right? But we also know from Fatima and Akita, Third secret, the parts that we that the Blessed Mother allowed Lucia to write down. That's right. We didn't get it all. We didn't get it all because the Blessed Mother told the bless, uh, Sister Lucia to hold some back. It's not some big Vatican conspiracy like people want you to get all riled up about. And there's enough to piece together what's there. That's what's interesting about it. We saw a bishop in white. We had the impression it was the Holy Father. He was walking through a city in ruins. Then you get the rest of the story at Akita. 
If you don't say your rosary, make reparations just like Fatima promised and just like Akita promised. Fire will fall from heaven. No, we're not talking about nuclear war. Why these false, you know, instant mystics running around on YouTube today will have you believing a lot of crap. Pardon the uh, vernacular there. I'd rather use the I'd rather use the more appropriate word because it's actually apropos to use the apostle to strong language when we're talking about this. You know, it's the opportunity, just like in the '90s. There's people being dragged into like cult life and other stuff, and strange spiritual fetishes. You know, Our Lady at Akita and at Fatima asked us to pray a rosary, and Akita she said there's only going to be two weapons left the rosary and the sign my son left you the blessed sacrament why blessed sacraments the primary means our lord intends to do miracles in the world period that's why they're not talking about it the synod that's why the bishops won't bring it up that's why talk about these masons we can get into a whole other point about this fisher brings this up they're talking about, you know, how would they bring around the United States to the socialist thing? And they said, no, 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 no. We can't undo the Constitution. But instead, we need to illumine the people that use the Constitution. In other words, we need to corrupt the people. Then nobody will be able to implement it. That's what's going on in the church, right? Make them dumb, stupid, and corrupt. We'll get into how that happened before Vatican II. You know, I get tired of Vatican II being blamed for everything when all of the seismic changes happened 10 years before it. Stuff that we're still dealing with today. And Our Lady told us it's going to be the rosary and a blessed sacrament. That's it. That's what you and me need to do. All this weird stuff. Oh, you have to do this. Oh, you have to do that. Oh, oh well, well, you know, um, you should actually eat bland food all the week. You know, I... I our lady didn't require you to become like a desert monk. Or there's some out there that are, you know, advocating all these kinds of just insane, wild kinds of things. You know better than that. Interesting idea in all of this, though. Two popes, one in exile. I don't know. What do you think? Got... Three different responses to that. Some people say, no, no, that's not what all happened at all. The conclave was fine, and, you know, Francis is legitimately the Pope. That's good. They could say that. I don't think it's so wrong to probe based on things we've seen. Obviously, there's something, something's going on here, right? Am I saying he's not the Pope? No, I'm not saying that. Besides, if you go anywhere near that, these third rails, these people will jump on you. Oh, you say to the contest, oh, blah, blah. You know, it's, it, 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 you and me are here talking, right? We're supposed to be able to, the truth survives scrutiny. Even St. Thomas. There was our Lord mad at St. Thomas for wanting to scrutinize what happened? No. He said, come here, Thomas, you're going to believe. These people that push away all the scrutiny with emotions and wish to attack those that have valid questions, they, they need to be shut down. Because they're just, they're playing into the hands of the renegades, really. As a matter of fact, I think some of them are renegades, and they're just using that for cover. You ever think about that? 
you know, we, we always want to pew everybody's got good intentions, but there's crooks on both sides of the fence, right? Crooks, shams, shysters, frauds, Judases. I mean, does Judas have to be a progressive? Think about that. It's harder to think that, you know, but uh, I would think that a highly pious-looking uh, uh, exterior shell would be better cover for some, some of these operators. Maybe that's, you know, maybe that's a discussion for a different day. Don't be fooled by all of it, though. You're allowed to ask questions. You're allowed to say that was wrong. And whatever that was in the Vatican Gardens, I know God thought it was wrong, too, because pieces of the Sistine Chapel were falling down the next day. Uh, doesn't really take a lot to figure that one out. And I started to have second questions about this lightning bolt that hit. You know, we all were in the kind of thing where we were just going along with the ride, right? But I know it wasn't right to, to, to glorify the, the heresiarch uh, Martin Luther. Oh, I'm sorry. That was just wrong. And look what we're getting with it. We're getting Lutheran synods. So I'm worried about what the other end of this, you know, the other shoe what, with that Vatican Garden thing, you know, the, there's people here out there. Oh, we're going to get women deaconess. We're going to get this, that, and the other. They don't even know what to do with the men deacons they have. You ever notice that? I'm sorry. The, the American liturgy just doesn't know what to do. I don't know why we even have male deacons. Now, I'm not talking about transitional deacons, you know, people, men that are on the way to becoming ordained a priest. I'm just talking about in general. Doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Not the way they're imp not the way they're done here. Let me leave you with this tidbit. You keep saying your rosary every day. Me too. We keep leaning on our lady. There's obviously some weird stuff going on. You're allowed to question it. Careful how you say it in public, though. Because everybody jump on you. Everybody wants to claim you for their tribe. And a lot of these people, they have their doubts. And the way they react to other people asking questions is out of their own emotions from their own doubts. You see some sane, rational uh, uh, discussion going on. It's like us just talking. We'll just keep talking, okay? And we'll keep saying our rosary. We'll keep watching. Lots of strange signs. I don't think we're going to see this warning that is running around. The, the warning isn't really prophesied in, in all the stuff that, that I look at. It just goes straight into fire from heaven. And the lady made it clear to blessed Elena Aiello. It's not a nuclear war. This is angels pouring out hellfire on earth because that's what people want to live in, right? Seems like the punishment's suitable. But you know, it's like the Tower of Babel. When does God act in these things? Tower of Babel was done, right? They were climbing, going up to the top of it. Then God acted. I mean, when did he flood the earth? Well, when it got down to one guy. Noah's the only guy on earth. God's like, I, I, you know, shucks. I ain't got any other choice now. I got to do it or, or I'm going to lose Noah too. You know, you ever think about that? Like, why did God do it when he did? Maybe something was going to happen and he would have lost Noah. Then what? We'd have been done. The flood, the earth, out, no more people. All done. The devil would have been happy. Just like these other things. I mean, you know, when did, when did God act with Sodom and Gomorrah? I mean, poor Lot. Lot's like, oh, I, I can't even find 10 guys. And Lot's like, you know, um, well, 
We, you know, we better get out of town here, Lot. I'm going to send these two angels down to you. They meet him at the gate, too. You know, Lot Lot was kind of a mover and shaker because he's at the city gate. But look what happened with Lot. It wasn't even that the whole family was there. I mean, Lot's wife failed. So you look at what's going on in the church, and it's like, is the tower done? Kind of moved up in the 90s. It was at the USCCB level. You know, you had the schism in the... I mean, numerous people said the American bishops are in schism. You got the fraud that uh, Bernardin did against Paul VI. You've got all this other stuff. Now you got people that take all that for granted, and it's all happening in Rome now. So it you know, kind of came up, went up to the national levels. Now it's, you know, in the Rome level. I don't know. Is the tower done? Our lady... Seem to imply, at least from Akita, that we're going to have more than one bishop. If bishop against bishop, cardinal against cardinal, then that implies there's more than... We're down to a few, right? I mean, how many bishops talk like Bishop Strickland? And the ones that did, you can go... I think a couple others come to mind. A couple of them apparently have been silent. They're like, I don't know what's going on because I haven't seen anything from them lately. Makes me wonder if they're for their, worry for their lives, really. And in this synod, I almost started bringing this up earlier. Compromise with the devil, right? You read the synod documents. One of the goals is to make room for the other. The capital O on other. Who's the, the other? You know, our Lord talked about knowing our neighbor and stuff, but, you know, first and foremost, you make room for God, right? Anyway, we could digress on all this. All I was trying to wrap it up before, but, you know, I feel like... Uh, 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 if we're having a dinner discussion, it, we could just keep going. We got a lot of little loose threads here that we could talk more about. And Catherine Emmerich, I don't know, pretty weird. Two popes, one in exile, dies in exile, and they're doing all this stuff, building this new church with this anti-pope. I don't know, what do you think? And they're only using reason. Kind of interesting, huh? Don't worry about the warning. It's not going to happen. We're going to go smack dab into the chastisement or a lady's going to fix things. Keep saying your rosary. We need that. Meanwhile, I'll leave you with this thought. 1034 before the Great Schism, there's a monk on Mount Athos. He writes uh, one for each letter of the Greek alphabet. He writes 24 things that will happen sequentially be, from then till the end of the world. Item 13, the British are left to the Saxons. Many people think that was Brexit. I don't know. But they're saying, you know, relinquishing the colonies and backing out of uh, world domination is what was meant by what this pope said, what this monk said. Item 13. The Russians take out the sons of Hagar. Careful what you think is happening in the Middle East right now. There's a lot more at play than what's going on. And we can get into further Catholic prophecies about Mohammedans storming across Europe and then the Russians pouring out on them. We'll see. Interesting things. Keep saying your rosary. God bless you. Let's say a prayer. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady Fatima, Our Lady Vakita, Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. Well, you've done it. You've been listening to the Bellman Forum Podcast. And I just beat one year. I'm sorry that we didn't do this sooner. We'll talk more. We'll talk a lot more. 
There's a lot to talk about these days. I'm your show host, John B. Manos. Production of this episode was underwritten with the uh, generous donation of an anonymous donor that asks you to say your rosary daily. If you would like to underwrite the production of the podcast, uh, contact the form using the contact form on the website, bellamanform.org. This podcast is a production of the Bellman Forum, formerly known as the Wanderer Forum Foundation, founded in 1965 on the heels of Vatican II as a faithful enclave of the Catholic faith without the progressive modernist confusion. Our producer sits at the right hand of the Father and will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. Our executive director made all things visible and invisible. Our technical director is an unnamed angel assigned to us by the producer per show. Bellman Forum is a nonprofit public charity, and all donations are tax deductible to the maximum extent permitted by law. This show is copyrighted by the Bellman Forum 2023 to the greater glory of God and the honor of his blessed mother. Amen.